Welcome to the Federal Executive Forum Series on Federal News Network. Here's your host, Luke McCormack. Good afternoon and welcome to the Federal Executive Forum celebrating 18 years of profiling excellence in government IT mission programs. I'm Luke McCormack. During today's show, we will discuss best practices with IT modernization programs and strategies in the federal government. With me on today's show are Von Noga, Chief Information Officer, Environmental Protection Agency, Patrick Newbold, Assistant Deputy Commissioner, Deputy CIO, Social Security Administration, Guy Cavallo, Chief Information Officer, Office of Personnel Management, Michael Adams, Division, Divisional Vice President, Public Sector Federal, Verizon Business Group, Jonathan Harmon, Vice President, Worldwide, Worldwide Sales, BMC Software, and Parth Vakil, Lead Solution Architect, U.S. Federal Databricks. Well, we've had a lot of great guidance from OP, OMB, Cloud Smart, the Security EO, the ZTA, Zero Trust Direction, and then, of course, an EO on CX, which I think is near and dear to all of your hearts, and then some TMF funding out there for those that uh, chose to take it. Uh, let's start with you, Vaughn. You had six audacious goals that you put out there several years ago, and I know you're still sort of hammering away on that. Give us a state of the state as to where you're at right now. Yeah, so we're still hammering away at the wildly important goals, as we call them here at DPA. Um, and one of the ones that we really focused on early on, so I've, I've been in the role about four and a half years now, and, and one of the ones that we focused in on was, was digitizing records. Really, and this, this ties into M1921, um, which, you know, requires federal agencies to move to um, a digital um, or to digitize their, their records. Um, and so where this really, where I really embraced this was before this role, I actually uh, managed facilities for the agency. And one of the things I saw over and over again were, were uh, floors full of paper files, right? And so, so yeah. I was able to actually look at that and actually draw that, hey, we need to do something in this space. So for the last four years, we've been working at establishing national digitization centers, um, two of them, uh, which will allow us to collapse all those local digitizations or those record centers that we've got in the EPA facilities and uh, centralize those and centralize the, the ability to digitize records. And so that's that's been uh, forefront for us. Um, in addition to those other things that you've, you already mentioned, which is enterprise-wide logging, um, you know, moving forward and moving out on, on ZTA, uh, multi-factor authentication, um, all those things are, 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 are very important to what we're doing here at the EPA. Um, and, and most importantly is how do we enable our employees um, to be able to do their mission? So really looking at how do we reduce the churn, if you will, associated with just employee activities to get their jobs done, right? So we focus also on things like how do we, how do we make sure our employees have the tools they need, need to get the job done? And something as simple as how do we modernize and make sure that we've got modern laptops that are distributed to employees? And so one of the things that we looked at is how do we how do we move from a a very um, interesting way of budgeting to buy new laptops where you either have dollars or you don't. If you don't have dollars, you can't buy laptops. To a new way of thinking, um, looking at at tools like that as 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 fixed costs, right? So you're able to actually look at hey, we're going to budget for twenty five percent refresh over four years. So employees have and know that they will get a refresh technologies every four years. Um, again, these are 
uh, a couple of things that, that we're looking at from a modernization lens. Just basic building blocks to, to work your way up that value chain. Patrick, I can imagine that you've got these uh, extensive systems out there reaching out to uh, millions and millions of uh, citizens. Um, a daunting task, no doubt, as you work on that modernization journey to fulfill that promise to all the citizens, right? Give us the state of the state. Well, thank you, Luke. I, I, I will tell you, um, um, we are still using that momentum um, that the COVID-19 pandemic sparked. And uh, in the first 10 months of the pandemic brought about 10 years of accelerated modernization at FSA. Mm -hmm. um, and, and in March of 2020, our, our primary way to serve the customer um, was face-to-face. -face. And so, you know, modernization helped create um, new ways, new adaptive ways um, to service the customer. And today, um, many of those services can be delivered through our digital channels. And most of our customers uh, prefer to transact business with us online or through mobile devices. So um, one of the things we have done, if you haven't had a chance to go to ffa.gov, we just redesigned our website. We, we wanted to make it more easy to navigate uh, for customers. Um, it was really uh, spurred by uh, our CX effort. Um, and it's a task-based a, a task approach. And um, we really took a, a customer-centric approach um, and we did the customer in the end journey when we developed that. So those new pages and improvements are based on public feedback and we will continue to kind of iterate on that. But we also um, um, manage the system that uh, ensures the right payment, get to the right person at the right time. And all of us on the show today are one day are gonna benefit from that. So, mm -hmm. um, but those systems are in, in, in terrible need of, of, of modernization. So to accelerate that, we establish a benefits modernization PMO. Um, their, their focus is on to modernize those core applications, those core systems, to make them more internet, mobile, accessible, um, and, and uh, to answer the, the needs of um, our employees, our employees who are processing um, that information. So uh, we're really focusing on our retirement, the virus and disability system, um, our supplemental security income systems, and our Medicare application systems to modernize and we want to accelerate that um so uh we recently announced um an executive position um if you follow me on linkedin um for a chief program officer for that position mm, um, so okay. we were look, we're looking for um a, a new approach to, to modernize those systems and looking for some good candidates um we also continue to to do other um strategic modernization planning uh, to include um looking at platforms um we're moving from project project to product framework. Mm -hmm. um, we're looking to enhance our security, our, our databases, um, our structures. Um, and over the past two years, Luke, um, we have continued to evaluate um, and retire technical debt, right? Um, but what's, what we, what's, what's really driving us to, to, to determine what's technical debt to target is really um, a human-centered um, approach and, and and that points us to those priorities that we want to want to focus on. But um, we're very pleased at some of the progress that we made. Um, we eliminated uh, over uh, 185 um, thousand lines of cobalt coal. Nice. <laughs> um, we continue to to, uh, uh, to do that, and, and that's going to be a key um, focus for that new benefits program management office to um, modernize that and put that on a cloud-based platform. 
Um, but a lot more work to do, Luke. And, and uh, sure, it's it's no doubt it's always a, a journey. Good catch on the uh, that customer experience. You have two sets of customers, like every agency, uh, sort of the uh, the uh, the promise to the citizens, we'll call it external, and then of course internal to your own employees. Uh, let's roll over to Guy, uh, who's very familiar with transforming. He did it at TSA. He went over to SBA and, and did it there. And now he's over at uh, OPM uh, on a journey there to, to transform and modernize and digitize, et cetera. Give us a state of the state, Guy, as to how it's going. Uh, thanks, Luke. Third time's the charm, right? Uh, right. The beauty of uh, me being able to lead cloud efforts at three different agencies is obviously I learned uh, lessons learned each time and was able to mm -hmm. fucking do it. Um, you know, it's it's easy for people to forget, but you know, four years ago, OPM was in the process of being dismantled, and uh, with that, uh, we lost a lot of leadership. So, I knew for me to be able to make any transformation journey, I had an incredible number of vacancies and leadership positions to fill. So, first thing I did was I filled about twenty five uh, mid level and, and upper level managers, including creating a cloud uh, a cloud lead position. And uh, a productivity lead uh, uh, for the for the agency. So you know, a CIO can only do so much. As, as you know from your experience, you have to have the troops there to help you get things done. So with that leadership in, in place, the other thing I saw is that because OPM was in this phase of are we going to exist? Are we going to go away? When COVID hit, we had six different productivity tools and use at the agency, and none of them at the enterprise level. So just think about that. The director of the agency couldn't even communicate other than email uh, with every single employee. And then even within an office, they couldn't communicate from the right side of an office to a left side. So I've broken this into multiple multiple phases. On the end user end, we went to an enterprise uh, collaboration tool. So now everybody can communicate. They can make calls from home. Uh, really, really changed our productivity. The other thing, uh, you know, being such a, a cloud advocate is we created our first cloud and we uh, have actually at FY22, we moved 28, we either moved or created applications, 28 applications that would have been previously done on premise are now in the cloud. So, you know, I'm, I'm a big proponent that the cloud is the future for the uh, for government, that our role shouldn't be to run data centers. I, I don't know of a single agency who's sole core mission is to set up and run a data center uh you know at opm we are the personnel agency of of the government so i want us to get out of the business of patching old servers and downtime and get uh get into the business of investing as much as we can in our core mission of and you highlighted it earlier luke uh, i mean obviously we we support a lot of citizens uh usa jobs is used by over 85% of the applicants that come into the federal government. So we're a gateway, uh, you know, for my friends on the panel to, to be able to hire staff. Uh, but then our other customers are the other agencies that we work with managing the health benefits program and, and features like that. Um, even though I had a big load to work with, uh, uh, Congress decided to give me a new project of creating a postal service health benefit system with a very short timeline. So uh, luckily, by having those new leaders that I put in place, we have our own digital services team. I was able to put people on that project. 
Uh, we are not going to lift and shift the old federal employee system. We are building in the cloud a new system that will uh, you know, be first for the postal employees and then later on we'll come back and pick up the rest of the federal government. So and then, uh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, well, I would just say no doubt that that extensive cloud experience that you've been able to obtain has put you in a position to really take that on and deliver it quickly. Uh, absolutely. And, and like I'd like to tell our peers, I mean, the cloud's been around for almost 19 years now, folks, mm -hmm. it's no longer we have to wait because it's too new. Right? It's, you need to get in gear and get going and get out of the data center business. It sounds like you're on a tear there. Once again, no surprise. We really do appreciate it, Guy. Michael, uh, we can't do this unless we have absolute connectivity at the highest order, reliable, secure. But Verizon is up to a lot of stuff. Give us a top line as to where you are in helping these agencies enable their modernization journey. Thank you, Luke. I, I think what I what I, I like to get into is kind of the progress we've seen in the government around IT modernization. That's okay, because uh, I think that's key kind of to the discussion that that we're having here. Sure. Um, you know, so so from our perspective, we see the prioritization from Congress and the administration has around IT modernization, as well as the customer experience aspect of it in cybersecurity, we think is great. So for the government to be able to help its workforce be successful and deliver the services people need, IT modernization has to be a top priority. So secondly, I think the government agencies are starting to take advantage of increased funding. You know, EIS, or what's also known as the Enterprise Infrastructure Solution uh, contract vehicle is a good example of that. So we announced, for example, a few months ago, an EIS task order with the U.S. Department of State to modernize their global communications infrastructure and provide mm -hmm. IT services for each of the Department of State's U.S. embassies, consulars, and other key locations around the world. So that's a pretty big project. Last summer, we announced a task order for the FBI through EIS. That will help the Bureau modernize and expand its network infrastructure, data, and voice solutions. And then a few months ago, um, we announced uh, three, AIS, three AIS task orders with the Department of Defense to modernize IT communications infrastructure. So we see the federal agencies are taking advantage of the opportunity, whether it's EIS or increased funding in the Technology Modernization Fund or other contract vehicles and programs. I know this is a Fed panel, but we also have some infrastructure investment in the Jobs Act, for example. So that'll help state and local governments. So I'd say that you know those are all the signs of progress and to keep the progress moving forward, I think more needs to be done to give government agencies the flexibility they need to modernize. So to me, greater flexibility and more options are gonna be key. And that's what's gonna keep us uh, moving moving forward. You brought up one. some good points, uh, the funding and certainly EIS landed at the right time to enable these uh, missions. So uh, no doubt that all these agencies are, are extensively taking advantage of that. Jonathan, BMC software, a critical component into enabling this digital journey. Give us a state of the status to how you all are unlocking these capabilities. Yeah, thank you very much, Luke, for that. And thanks to the panel so far. Uh, really, really fantastic conversations. So the, the primary focus for BMC with technology like Control-M is how do we help um, IT operations accelerate their modernization by strengthening their automation and their orchestration framework? So that, that is our, our forte and our focus. But doing that at the same time, 
um, while providing customers with more freedom within that framework to drive organizational best practices that they're designing and that you're hearing about from, from um, a lot of the customers today. So, um, for example, we're expanding our framework uh, with things like airflow integration so that data engineers can orchestrate their data pipelines using tools that they know, but also doing it from within an enterprise platform like Control-M, which gives them all the industrialized capabilities that we've built up in a, in a platform like Control-M over the years. Um, we're also focusing on increasing operational efficiencies, which is a big deal. So we're doing that with new file transfer capabilities, which is greatly enhancing um, the ability to orchestrate both internal um, and external file transfers within your workflows. Um, we've got to focus on self-service and collaboration. We think that that's a very, very, very significant component to modernization within that framework. So, for example, um, developers, engineers, they can complete their tasks inside of Control-M without submitting service requests, which probably scares a lot of folks. But um, it basically means that we're giving them more freedom to do their jobs. They can use the language of their choice um, when they're building their workflows within the application. Um, and within Control-M. Um, at the same time, we have an obligation to, to make sure that we are supporting our, 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 our core, which is IT operations. So we're providing them with quicker and easier ways to enforce organizational standards through new site standard policies so that we've got a good balance between the two. Um, there's a lot more, Luke, on, on, on top of that. Look, if you think about um, the, 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 the fact is we have to keep pace with such a constant growth of new technology that's supporting the enterprise, that's supporting modernization. So we've got to change the way that we're delivering, um, for example, um, new integrations that are coming uh, out of our integration factory team. Mm -hmm. We have to deliver new operational enhancements for ops users. We've got to deliver new um, business users with new ways to consume our stuff. So we've got a lot of stuff that we've got to contemplate and think about. I think it really reinforces the opportunity and in some cases the real challenge that we have as technology partners to support IT modernization. And no doubt, if you're going to deliver at the speed of mission, you have to automate some of these processes. So we really do appreciate the capability that you're enabling there. We're going to take a short break. We'll be back in just a moment. You're listening to the Federal Executive Forum on Federal News Network. Support for this broadcast and the following message come from Databricks. You don't use 40-year-old technologies like VHS tapes and floppy disks, so why are you still using a data warehouse? The data warehouse had a great run, but it's outdated. It wasn't built for 90% of today's data. It can't handle modern use cases like machine learning. It's time for a new paradigm. The Databricks Lakehouse brings all your data together on one open platform so you can tackle every use case from BI to AI. Discover Lakehouse at databricks.com. Agency leaders oversee a huge array of mission-supporting programs and business operations. Want to apply automation at scale to an unlimited number and variety of end-to-end -end workflows across the entire enterprise, or even across multiple agencies? Federal agencies need a single point of control to orchestrate all parts of their enterprise technology stack for full end-to-end -end business process automation. Learn how Control-M can help you modernize and meet the mission at bmc.com backslash federal. How can your agency accelerate its network modernization and establish the right foundation for digital transformation? Verizon's Network as a Service. Verizon's Network as a Service provides you a comprehensive, subscription-based, and end-to-end -end network ecosystem 
that includes cloud-based interconnection services, hybrid connectivity, network visibility, security, and more. Modernize your network with Verizon's Network as a Service. To learn more, go to verizon.com slash public sector. Welcome back to the Federal Executive Forum on Federal News Network. We're talking about IT modernization, transformation. Parth, we're going to go to you and talk about Databricks and how that fits into this ecosystem and how it's being used in these agencies. Yeah, let me uh, start by saying how, uh, uh, you know, it's a pleasure being on this panel with these esteemed uh, folks. And, uh, uh you know, what we are seeing as far as modernization is concerned, I want to focus in on what I would call the data estate modernization. Uh, you know, what Juan talked about with the digitization effort, what Guy is talking about with building the systems uh, in the cloud, and what Patrick is doing with, uh, with systems at Social Security, all of that is generating a ton of data. Even some of the initiatives that you have talked about, whether it's zero trust, whether it's M2131, whether it's the data-driven uh, initiatives, whether it's DOD decrees, the focus is becoming how is the agent, how are the government agencies going to utilize the data and derive insights from it to drive mission outcomes, to drive national security, to drive citizen outcomes. And what we are seeing across the board is there is a uh, you know there's there's a ton of challenges and it comes from sort of the legacy infrastructure that exists. There's siloed data. Uh, the data is primarily structured. There's a treasure trove of data, as Juan said. There's treasure trove of data in documents that need to be digitized, in the images that exist, in the geospatial data that exists, and the government agencies are looking to drive to use all of these data sets and produce outcomes from it. The uh, these issues are being addressed now, and we are seeing a spectrum of pro progress across the agencies that we are supporting today. Uh, some of them are just starting on this data estate modernization journey. Others are more mature. For example, at Citizenship and Immigration Services, they've been at it for about five, six years. They've modernized in the cloud. They're using Databricks with with the Lakehouse architecture. Uh, you know, moving all of their traditional database systems into the cloud. And they have modernized how immigration and uh, uh, and the visa system operates. So uh, we are seeing a lot of progress in this regard. We are super excited. And uh, I think uh, Databricks is uh, ripe for the innovation that the government is looking to make. Yeah, no question. We're seeing that once you get this uh, data into these sort of lake environments, if you will, you can really unlock some, some extensive capability uh, to deliver on, again, on that promise guy. I'm going to come over to you and talk about a specific program that you'd like to highlight that you all were able to sort of get over the fence, if you will. And then we'll talk about the future uh, a little bit later in the show, but talk about one that you've already sort of nailed down. Oh, sure. No, thank you, Luke. Uh, you know, one thing I've learned with the cloud, especially uh, for, for people that are still believing the cloud is way off in the future, is you want to have a success early and prove the value of the cloud. So when I got to OPM, I discovered that our retirement services call center, which is used to support all of our federal retirees, postal retirees, um, was a, I, I can't even put a, a, a name on it. It was so poorly designed that a phone call would bounce back and forth 
between multiple single points of failure. And there was a lot of downtime. And we had, you know, we were called to Capitol Hill to explain that. And I said, well, here's a great application for the cloud. Let's 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 replace it with a cloud-based call center. And Luke, I can tell you, we've had less downtime with our cloud-based call center um, over a year and a half than we had in a single half day with the old on-premises call center. Mm-hmm. So uh, also with today's hybrid world of work by using the cloud, I no longer have to put all of the call center people into a very compact room. You know, they can work anywhere in the country and which expands our hiring capabilities. So that one allowed me to show the agency that, hey, the cloud can really deliver. Uh, you know, cost is about the same. Again, one thing I recommend to people is don't, don't go sell the cloud as it's gonna save you money. Sell it for all the benefits of redundancy, elasticity, the things that you can't do or you're probably not doing on-premise. Uh, that that's really what you pick up with it. So, you know, our retirees today are not not being dropped by calling our call center like they used to be. And as I said, that that gave me a quick win for the cloud to help reinforce the other moves that we want to make to the cloud. No doubt increases the reliability and also increases the feature set a lot of times, right? When you uh, get yourself in those modern type environments, which is a uh, a great example of the use of this modern technology. Michael, how about at Verizon? Can you give us an example of where you've been working with an agency to sort of, you know, really enable this transformation to happen? Yes, Luke, th- thank you for coming back to me on this question. Um, so we've seen a lot of our government government partners development successful IT modernization programs. I've got maybe three examples, just really short ones that give you a sense of, of how we played in this space. For the Department of Energy, we're delivering new technologies and service, services to help meet their next generation voice requirements. And this involves moving IP enables uh, voice services to the forefront of what they're doing. So that's that's been a pretty good program for us. With the Department of Labor, uh, we're modernizing their legacy network infrastructure, including data and voice and mm-hmm. unified communications, video services, and all those enterprise applications for 20,000 users. So you think about that, that's going to result in a highly secure converged data and voice network across you know 1,000 locations. So that's been pretty exciting. And then on our, our um, sled side of the house, the city of Albuquerque, right? We deployed a real-time crime center in partnership with our Verizon Frontline, uh, which is, I, I'd say, the nation's best uh, network uh, for government folks to use, a cloud-based uh, real-time response system for them to use there. So, you know, we think those three examples kind of show the breadth of what Verizon uh, has done with a lot of the uh, the government partners out there. Right, and uh, I think you pointed it out, the breadth of what you're doing, right? It's not yeah. just sort of the, the plumbing, it's much more than that. Vaughn, you touched on a lot of things that you are up to over there. I'd love to hear about a specific program that you'd like to highlight that you've been able to sort of get over the fence that's really sort of unlocked a lot of that capability over there that you all have been seeking. Yeah, so we've been doing just like Guy talked about cloud uh, and and some of the things they've been working on with him. We've been focused on cloud as well. Mm Mm-hmm. And, and a lot of it's partnership um, across the, the agency and, and, and working with our, our business stakeholders. We don't, we don't do things in a vacuum. We partner across the agency. Um, one of the things that we did last year is, is we looked, because our agency is a regulatory agency, we actually receive a lot of data from, from, from outside the agency. Um, and a lot of that 
those data flows flow through our central data exchange. Uh, that was uh, an infrastructure that was within one of our data centers. Over FY22, the, the team in, uh, in, in our office um, was able to actually take 184 different data flows and move those to the cloud and shut down the on-premise infrastructure within our National Computer Center. Um, that just highlights you know, the, the, the rapid pace of change within the agency. Um, the other thing that I highlight, and, and it goes to the term IT modernization, we look at modernization as, as continuous modernization. Um, and so we are always looking at opportunities within our portfolio of, of what can we focus on next? How can we reduce um, reduce the churn, if you will, associated with, with you know, simple things, how employees um, get administrative forms processed, right? So other big areas we're looking at is, is the whole paperless initiative, right? And so we've been focused on identifying platforms by which we can move from a paper-based or a PDF-based way of managing workflow into a workflow system to reduce the churn associated with the, the administrative burden we put on employees to get their jobs done, right? We wanna move, move that churn away from them so they can spend more time doing their mission work. Really focus on that very important mission that you have there. Parth, um, and, and, and I might say, nothing feels better than to close down a legacy data center, doesn't it? I mean, it really does feel good. Uh, Parth, how about at Databricks? Can you give us an example? Uh, you touched on some as these uh, various agencies are modernizing, no question. Here comes the use of technology like Databricks. Give us an example of a highlight you'd like to point out. Yeah, sure. There's uh, there's a lot of examples to pick from, uh, you know, whether, like I said, citizenship and immigration services or it's fraud prevention at Medicare and Medicare services or it's veteran suicide prevention at Veterans Affairs or the DOD at VANA program where they're collecting all of the data across all three services and driving insights from it. Or it's Office of Personnel Management where they're trying to collect data from, uh, you know, coming in from various agencies around HR, curating it and sharing it back out for folks to drive insights from it. Uh, but one specific example that uh, we are really proud of and would love to talk about here is Centers for Disease Control. Mm. Uh, this is one of those situations that impacted everyone on this panel and everyone listening. Uh, you know, uh, it, uh, we started working with the CDC back in fall of 2020 when the vaccine rollout was just about to start. And uh, what CDC had to do was go from this sort of on-prem mentality with legacy infrastructure to what Guy talked about, you know, moving to the cloud and harnessing the agility of the cloud. And they truly needed to become agile, right? The, uh, the emergency started with tracking the infections. It moved on to, hey, is there enough PPE for the first responders? To, are there hospital beds that we can use and how are we going to use them the best way? to how do we distribute these vaccines so that we can start to get towards the end of this emergency. And, and for, for them to be that reactive that quickly, they needed to be agile. That's where Databricks really came in. We first started with a small project where they were having scaling issues. They came to us within two weeks, we put uh, that system into production. And then come about March, 2021, you know, the way that they were modernizing in the cloud, sort of doing more of a lift and shift from on-prem was just not working out from the, for them. It was brittle, it was failing, and uh, these teams had been working 24 seven for the last two years. So they modernized with the lake house with Databricks. And the one statement that I remember from the architect who was leading this effort was, 
he said, this will be the first time that my team can take vacation in two years. So wow. they were able to they were able to drive reports and business intelligence, collect data from regional, from state at a national level, and generate a dashboard on a daily basis to make decisions on where the vaccines were going to go. And they were distributing this to the regional government, to the state government, and to the president of the United States. So Something that, that used to take hundreds of hours to do. So what a fantastic uh, example there. We really do appreciate it. Patrick. So much activity going on over there. In respect to every federal cabinet level CIO, uh, we know the deputy CIOs are doing the heavy lifting. Um, give us an example of a program that you'd like to highlight, part of that sort of overall uh, composite of modernization activity you have going on over there that has really sort of enabled some of these things that you're pursuing. Yeah, first, I'll just say um, IT or and digital modernization is, is a whole agency approach. Uh, you mm -hmm. know, to, if we want to upgrade or replace um, technologies, um, we just don't want to do it, just do it. We want to also look at processes and policies um, that better support business. So, um, and, and overall improve the entire organization. So, uh, when we can modernize our business processes and we can implement enabling new technologies, modern technologies, um, that focuses on enhancing the user's experience um, that removes barriers to service to success. I can give you a good example of that and, um, is our implementation of a nationwide uh, disability case processing system um, that essentially um, consolidated uh, about 52 state disability determination services um, systems. So we're, we embarked on having one integrated case processing system and migrating uh, 52 states into that one processing system. So you can think about all the benefits of that, um, but it's not easy. It wasn't easy. It isn't easy. Um, when you have um, um, states who are comfortable or, or, or familiar um, with their uh, um, systems. But uh, today, um, this is why I think this is very successful. Although we don't have all 52, we have 49 of those states on our system today with a clear um, plan to migrate the remaining states um, very soon. And so I, I think this is a case when um, you're talking about modernizing and integrating into one system, cloud-based system. I, I, I totally agree with everything Guy has been saying. Um, we, we, you know, use cloud, use all the services and the goodness out of cloud um, as we modernize. Um, but it's also allowed us to look at our business processes um, because we were able to, to, you know, develop new in the cloud um, and we were able to stream out from the business, business process as well. So to me, um, this is one of the ones I see as very successful because it was is the, and it truly is in whole of the agency approach to modernize. What, a way to, you know, to enable so much capability across the country and hats off to you. I commend you for being able to interact with every one of those states, undoubtedly each one of them having its own, we'll call it a journey, right? Uh, that you were on to, to make that happen. So I applaud you and your team for that. Jonathan, how about a BMC software? Give us an example of a program that you'd like to highlight that really sort of opened up some transformation at one of these agencies. Yeah, I think it's really cool. We're seeing a theme if you listen across each one of these stories here, and, and I think I might be adding to the theme. So I want to share a story if I could. Um, it's a pretty large uh, nonprofit uh, research and academic uh, medical center. 
that is located in Florida. It's called uh, Tampa General Hospital. <clears throat> and I think this one's a great example of a few things. Um, seeing how people are coming together in a pretty collaborative way. They're focusing on delivering innovation. Um, they're focusing on modernizing their organization in a very, very short window to overcome some pretty crazy stuff. Um, like like Park talked about, I'm actually going to talk a little bit about COVID as well. So what, this is like three years ago, I guess, COVID hits. Um, the world's kind of turned upside down. Everybody's scrambling, trying to figure out how to, to, to manage this thing. And if you think about it, hospitals are, are essentially at the core of it, right? Um, they're, they're challenged with resources. They're challenged with um, the, the equipment that they have, the rooms, the pure numbers of those that have been impacted by this, of course, was, you know, was devastating, right? So to respond, Tampa General partners with some really smart folks from a company called uh, SME Solutions Group, which I think is based in, in Tampa, a bunch of technology partners like BMC, um, and literally dozens of other hospitals, competing hospitals, by the way, I think it was like 50 or 51 hospitals. And they came together, they formed this group, and they said, hey, um, we need to find a way to come together to share the data that we have and ultimately tap into that data to create insights, to create intelligence that we desperately need to tackle COVID and to, to save lives, right? So through this collaboration, they were able to create essentially this dashboard that they called the, the COVID-19 Florida West Coast Regional Data Exchange. That's a mouthful, um, which basically provides things like um, real-time info on ventilator counts, um, the number of ICU rooms that are available, how many patients are impacted. They even went so far as to partner with a few cool tech companies to start forecasting the anticipated number of future COVID patients that they were going to have to deal with over a specified period of time. So if you can imagine insights like this, um, hospital officials at Tampa General and others could start really, really making awesome decisions to help patients find the care that they need at the right time, the right place. The problem was underneath that, of course, the underlying technology and the process required to support all this was crazy. We're talking about dozens of workflows across um, multiple, multiple uh, disparate systems, hundreds of data sources from inside and outside the hospitals, constantly gathering new data. They were spending so much time managing jobs, troubleshooting problems that they actually couldn't deliver it in the short window that they had. And they certainly couldn't do it with confidence and insights um, that, that they needed to, right? So to help, they shifted a great deal to, to great technology partners, again, like um, Databricks, like um, ControlM and BMC, um, for us specifically to monitor and start managing these complex data pipelines. They took out all of that manual intervention they improved scalability, reliability, performance of their data pipelines, and they were ultimately able to get those insights delivered to the right people each and every day with a high degree of confidence. So again, it's just a really, really cool story, I think, hopefully to add to, to the ones that you've already heard, but um, very relevant to us and, and a great sign of, of uh, things to come, I think. Great example of uh, infusing some technology to really enable the emission. We're going to take a short break. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Federal Executive Forum on Federal News Network. 
Support for this broadcast and the following message come from Databricks. You don't use 40-year-old technologies like VHS tapes and floppy disks, so why are you still using a data warehouse? The data warehouse had a great run, but it's outdated. It wasn't built for 90% of today's data. It can't handle modern use cases like machine learning. It's time for a new paradigm. The Databricks Lakehouse brings all your data together on one open platform so you can tackle every use case from BI to AI. Discover Lakehouse at databricks.com. Agency leaders oversee a huge array of mission-supporting programs and business operations. Want to apply automation at scale to an unlimited number and variety of end-to-end workflows across the entire enterprise, or even across multiple agencies? Federal agencies need a single point of control to orchestrate all parts of their enterprise technology stack for full end-to-end business process automation. Learn how Control-M can help you modernize and meet the mission at bmc.com backslash federal. How can your agency accelerate its network modernization and establish the right foundation for digital transformation? Verizon's Network as a Service. Verizon's Network as a Service provides you a comprehensive, subscription-based, and end-to-end network ecosystem that includes cloud-based interconnection services, hybrid connectivity, network visibility, security, and more. Modernize your network with Verizon's Network as a Service. To learn more, go to verizon.com slash public sector. Welcome back to the Federal Executive Forum on Federal News Network. We are talking about IT, modernization, digital transformation, et cetera. We're going to get into priorities. Guy, I'm going to start with you. Your number one priority for this year in regards to IT transformation. Our, our number one priority is to move to the cloud. Uh, you know, I have technology modernization funds for Zero Trust and for Redo.gov. <laughs> and our other initiatives, but the core theme out of all of them, Luke, is that we're no longer building on premise and everything's going to the cloud. Full march to cloud, full stop. I love it. Michael, top priority from Verizon for this year. Well, look, I'm gonna cheat a little bit and, and let me just say, we we think there's four priorities that we do part and see, cybersecurity, network backbone, uh, the workforce and, and the people. If I can sneak in too, I'd say, um, when we think about the workforce, large amounts of folks are still working remotely and they want the best experience. And so we're leveraging our 5G network, JD Power, number one rated, uh, to deliver fixed wireless access for those types of solutions. So we're excited about that, especially with our C-band deployment. And then lastly, uh, it's, it's about the people. So we're seeing a lot of um, interest in virtual contact center, right? The gust of, the government's primary customer are the people. And so we think that virtual contact center delivers a solution that improves the customer experience and that gets into everything we do. Network as a service, fixed wireless access, secure cloud fabric and more to make that happen. So we see those as, as a pretty big priorities. Appreciate that. Vaughn, top priority for EPA. Yeah, I touched on it earlier um, and we talked about the national digitization centers, mm-hmm. actually placing those digitization centers in production. Um, We've got two of those, they'll go in production this year and we'll start uh, transferring paper files and start digitizing those files and making them available to the EPA employees so they can use that. Um, and certainly in addition to that priority is, is our continued priority on focusing on the employees. Um, and this is uh, how we modernize, how we actually communicate uh, to our employees, how we engage them. Uh, one of the things that, that we saw with, uh, with the pandemic was it was no longer us trying to push features onto employees. It was them uh, 
really getting the mode of accepting uh, change, right? And so we want to continue with um, how we condition our employees uh, to welcome change and, and how we evolve applications in that space um, to, to make them more productive. All about being adaptive. Parth, number one priority. Sure, yeah, Luke. Uh, so what we are seeing in all of the agencies we are dealing with is really data estate modernization. And there's sub bullets under that. Let me cover a couple there. Uh, as Guy was mentioning, we are seeing a push to the cloud and not just sort of moving the systems that are on-prem into the cloud, but being truly cloud native, using what's there and the agility of the cloud to reduce cost while still driving mission outcomes. There's a focus on open source. There is a definite interest in the government to avoid any kind of vendor lock-in. So mm -hmm. to be able to own your own data, to be able to own the code that you write to get insights out of that data is definitely part of it. Uh, there is building for roadmap, right? It is not enough to just do what you were doing today. You need to be able to ingest not just the structured data, but the unstructured data, the images, the documents, uh, be able to ingest streaming data and apply artificial intelligence and machine learning against it. Uh, you want to be able to really empower uh, the users in your agency, and you want to do it with self-service, but it is not enough to just provide self-service. How do you do it with governance and how do, you, how do you balance that? So these are some of the aspects of the data modernization that we are seeing come to the fore. And the Databricks Lakehouse is delivering on a lot of these requirements, uh, as I had given an example earlier. Sure, you really need those guardrails to, to enable that citizen service, citizen development. Patrick, top priority on this massive journey that you all are on. Yeah, so uh, our customers expect faster service. Our employees need data support our customers speed up their, their, their service. So our priority is to improve how our systems communicate and integrate. Um, we want to eliminate silos in our technologies, um, use the support um, our, our core functions, and we want to build end-to-end -end processing systems, modernize those in the cloud base, leveraging the strength of the cloud and mature our, mature our, and mature our cloud um, um, framework within the agency. Those are our priorities. Fantastic. Sounds uh, massive, and I know you're up for it. Jonathan, top priority, BMC. Yeah, you bet. Um, very simply, three things, cloud, data, and agility for cloud. Um, look, if it wasn't hard enough to run applications between on-premise and you know one particular cloud type, now you've got to consider the orchestration of applications going across all three infrastructure models for us. The question is, how are you going to do it and not create more silos of automation or orchestration? So how can we help with that? Second on data, um, look, many of the modern data initiatives haven't reached their full potential. The biggest hurdle, the ability to operate, uh, operationalize data initiatives um, because of the, the high degree of complexity involved. So we're focused on how do we better simplify very data uh, complex data pipelines across those operational models to enable true scale and production. Last, agility. Um, what we hear from customers is they want to go fast, um, but they also want to change direction pretty quickly. So for us, how do we make collaboration, which we think is a pretty strong component of that, across the teams, frictionless, all the way from the design of the application to production. So those are our big uh, three priorities. Top three priorities. to do appreciate that. Uh, we're going to wrap it up here and uh, paint a picture of the future, so to speak. Let's say three years out. Arth, we're going to start with you. 
Uh, what's the demand signal that you all are getting? Sort of where do you think you're going to be as far as the types of things that you'll be delivering three years from now? Sure. I think uh, step one is about getting the data curated and ready for uh, for driving insights. And again, as I'd stated earlier, it's not just about the data that currently exists in the siloed databases that are on-prem, but moving into the cloud and organizing it in such a way that uh, you can integrate it with not just structured data, but unstructured, semi-structured text, et cetera. Um, you know, there's going to be a push for every agency to have an always up-to-date data warehouse, if you will, you know, uh, uh, and uh, uh, a, a technology by which their insights are always fresh. Now, it's not enough to also be uh, ready for business intelligence. The next step is machine learning and AI. And so the Lake House with Databricks actually enables the customer who is using uh, the tooling to be ready for that roadmap event once they have the data organized. And the third thing, and I think an important one, uh, we envision that the agencies are going to start to now look at sharing data once they have their data estates modernized in the cloud. And that's going to be critical to develop citizen outcomes. So just as a quick example, uh, with uh, CBP uh, Border Patrol, you know, ICE and USCIS, there is a sharing mechanism in place mm -hmm. with Databricks where yeah. they're sharing data and building this sort of customer 360 to improve the outcomes for the folks who are going through immigration, who are entering our borders uh, from, from, uh, you know, from different countries. So this is really going to drive the innovation in the government in the next two to three years. No question. And a lot of data being shared, but in a uh, maybe not as uh, advanced way that they could be doing it. I think Patrick pointed that out. J Jonathan, paint yeah, a picture yeah. of the future. Three years from now, what does it look like as far as BMC is concerned? Yeah, sure. So we, we believe that organizations that are succeeding in IT modernization are going to basically have five or six different attributes. Um, and the cool thing is, is that you've heard all of them from this panel of, of great shops today, right? So the first one you heard from Patrick. Um, delivering a transcendent customer experience, being thoughtful about that customer experience from the beginning to the end. That's the first. The second, um, we believe organizations are going to be driving automation everywhere specifically to free up sources of innovation, which we believe are, in fact, our people. Um, third, um, organizations will be embracing enterprise DevOps, but they'll be doing it, though, to unlock industrialized agility. It is a combination of the two things. Um, number four, organizations are going to be maniacally focused on creating actionable insights with the mountains of data that, that we have um, at our fingertips. Um, and then last but not least, organizations are going to be keeping organizations secure um, by focusing on really strong adaptive cybersecurity. This is our framework. We call it the Autonomous Digital Enterprise. It's the, the thing at BMC that is our North Star. It guides our product strategy. Um, it guides the way that we service and, and focus on our customers and our partners. So that is what we look at as we look ahead for the next two to five years. Really do appreciate that. Michael, uh, you talked about 5G. I assume in three years, 5G will be fully realized. Are we talking 6G? Where does it end? <laughs> the G's will always uh, progress and, and, and go beyond our wildest dreams. But, you know, we see that, you know, full use of 5G is, is potentially what's particularly out there. As, and that's exciting, right? We've done our C-band rollout. 
you're enabling private networks. You got on on-site private networks, wireless networks that give you the security that you're looking for. We got our network as a service solutions, making sure things are faster, more secure, cloud-based. And we think of this aspect of partnerships, right? I heard a lot about it today. I heard a lot about it in other government forums, you know, delivering faster data, lower latency. Imagine federal agencies that gather data from states being able to do so in, you know, a nanosecond, right? Much faster time speed. And then I think about all of this creating uh, better constituent services, right? Self-service enablement across the IRS, the postal, the DMV, wherever you go, you know, your experience as, as a citizen of this country uh, being much more accelerated, much more efficient, much better. Looking we forward really to do appreciate that. And we're all looking forward to that. Guy, well, I, I, I know your track record, and I would say three years from now, certainly you're going to be fully in the cloud, native apps being built, et cetera, et cetera. If I'm a, a, a freshly minted retiree or a, a new employee coming into OPM, and I look around, what's it going to look like three years from now? What's oh, that experience going to be? Yes, thank you for that support, Luke. I, I hope I can do it all in three years. There's a lot to, uh, to modernize. Uh, you know, one of the things I'm excited about, we've heard it from the panel, uh, you know, one of the things we're revamping is the OPM.gov website. Uh, when we ask our citizens to understand our org structure, to be able to know where to look for an answer versus being a user-centric experience. Uh, so in three years, we will see the OPM website change from being that very difficult to find anything website to having specific customer journeys, both for citizens for people that are applying for jobs for federal employees that are wanting to, to find what their benefits are uh, and then interchanging with other agencies uh, the other thing i'm very excited about luke is the the need for us to leverage cloud cybersecurity native capabilities to repel mm -hmm. the artificial intelligence and machine learning attacks that our uh, our enemies will be using against government we cannot match that level of power with humans behind screens. So uh, the the impact on cyber over the next three years of, of moving really to massive amounts of data, logging analytics that, that would be too expensive to do on premise. And we already have executive orders telling us to do this. Uh, you know, I think that's gonna be an impact on the cyber end. People are, our citizens expect us to protect their data. And if we don't get ahead of the, of the uh, hackers, and use the, the maximum tools to protect our data, we will always be on the losing end. Absolutely, and uh, we have 100% confidence in you. Patrick, once again, I wanna commend you uh, going hand-to-hand -hand with each state and getting them connected is a, is a daunting task, and I'm sure you would love to have just sort of plugged and played that, but you got it done. Uh, three years from now, you're gonna have a, a lot more of these train tracks laid down. What are you expecting to see three years from now? Well, I'm expecting to see three years from now that uh, members of the public, you and you and I, um, will be able to address most of our needs online on a mobile device, not having to come to an office or visit a field office or a hearing office, um, not needing to send documents, mail mail documents into an office. Um, three years from now, I, I see if, if you want to transact business with us online, you'll be able to do some, the main the main uh, programs, and if you want to come in office you'll have better service, um, equitable services, no matter what channel you you, you uh, um, choose. 
three years from now, I also see our employees to be able to quickly connect and collaborate um, with their colleagues to deliver their mission. Um, we've deployed some um, capabilities of Microsoft Teams as our primary collaboration. Um, but um, on the processing systems that we use to service our customer, um, I see the ability um, for our employees to, in three years now, to be more integrated um, as we integrate our systems and have a 360 view of our customers so that um, we're better able to process and claims and support them um, all while operating um, in the cloud um, and, and, and having the scalability to, to change directions should business uh, direction uh, requires. So I see us more adaptable, flexible, um, leveraging uh, the technologies uh, that are out there today um, and applying the processes uh, to support that. I really do appreciate it. And we look forward to that, Vaughn. Yeah, so mine's, mine's really easy. In, in, uh, in three years, I'd like to see all paper-based uh, activities eliminated from the EPA. Um, we are the EPA, um, which means how we acquire, how we store, how we transform, how we present, and ultimately how we make informed recommendations or decisions is on data that's in a digital format, right? Uh, I would love to see the day where we no longer have to do data calls to find out where where data is or where, what information exists within the agency. It's available, it's available instantaneous for folks to use. And no doubt that as you uh, you get all that paper, we'll call it, forms into this digital environment, you're also modernizing these environments. So you start digital, you stay digital. So um, uh, would you expect three years from now that uh, that you'll be there? Well, they're wildly important goals, right? And so part of what we've done now is set the framework for it. Yep. Um, and we're working with the teams to, to see where we can work with uh, the stakeholders within the agency, identifying those uh, information collection requests that exist within a paper-based form and start uh, um, converting those. Um, for all new data um, that's coming to the agency, you need to start out digitally, right? So it's a it's two-step. It's identifying what's currently out there that's not a digital um that's not digitally acquired mm -hmm. that and then make sure that for all future data collections that we acquire and store them in a digital data format. We have 100% confidence in you doing that. We really do appreciate everything that you're doing there. An extremely important agency. I'd like to thank all of you for taking the time out of your busy schedules to join us for this program. I'd like to thank the sponsors for supporting us on this show. I'd also like to thank the good people here at Federal News Network that make our program so successful and enjoyable. And most of all, I'd like to thank you, the listening audience, that tune in every month. You've been listening to the Federal Executive Forum, part of the Federal News Network. Thank you for listening to the Federal Executive Forum series on Federal News Network. This show was produced by Treza Media Group. If you missed any portion of this show, you can listen to the show in its entirety and on demand at federalnewsnetwork.com. WFED Washington, W232DG Sterling, portions pre recorded, Federal News Network.